is one of my favorite stories, though, so you might hear it again. When Dominic was young, probably, second, you probably just should have left. Then you wouldn't have to hear about yourself. When Dominic was young, probably second grade, we were in the process of looking for a church to attend. So my mom and David and I, along with Dominic, were visiting area churches. We had visited several, and after each visit, we would talk about how we felt about the service, about the sermon, all of the things that now, as a pastor, I worry about people talking about when they leave. We visited one church, and when we left, we knew it wasn't a fit for us. It was just one of those gut feelings that you get, like, oh, this isn't it. But in our talk following the service, we, meaning my mom and David and I, we were trying to be gracious. We knew it wasn't the right fit for us, but we were kind of tiptoeing around it in our conversation. Dominic had been in with us on several of these church visits, and he knew the drill. He knew we were kind of talking about how we felt, and he was listening to us tap dance around our feelings. Finally, he just plainly stated, well, Jesus doesn't go to church there. In his second grade theology, Dominic was stating that he didn't feel like that was the place that the Holy Spirit was leading us to be. That wasn't the place where we were supposed to follow Jesus. In his simplistic but correct view, you can't follow Jesus where you think Jesus isn't. And that's not to say that Jesus wasn't in that church. He certainly, certainly was. I know the Spirit of God was there, but Jesus was not leading us there. Maybe that's why God calls us to have childlike faith, because there was no doubt about how God was calling Dominic and how Dominic felt about what God was calling us to do. Jesus doesn't go to church there. We are all called to follow Jesus. But so often we try to make excuses and be gracious and follow Jesus into a place where Jesus isn't for us. Sometimes you hear Christians talk about people not listening for God's direction and they'll say, well, he went before he was sent. That's one of those weird Christian things that we we will say. It just means that sometimes we get anxious about what it means to follow Jesus. We get anxious about what it means to take up our cross and follow him. Notice in scripture, the Savior doesn't say, take up any cross, take up a cross. No, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We are called to take up the cross that is ours to carry when we follow Jesus. Notice, too, that Jesus also said, if anyone were to follow me. We are called to follow Jesus. God wants us to follow Jesus. The Spirit empowers us to follow Jesus. But nowhere are we forced to follow Jesus. We must choose to follow Jesus. And for some of us, the initial choice to follow Jesus is or was easy. For me, I grew up in the church. It was natural for me to choose to follow Jesus. 
For some of us, we respond to the call of the Holy Spirit with little resistance. For others, it's harder. Maybe some weren't raised in the church, or maybe they've been hurt by the church, didn't really understand what it meant to follow Jesus. When I, as a young person, accepted Christ, I didn't know what it meant to follow Jesus. I didn't know that he was going to call me into uncomfortable situations. I definitely didn't know he was going to call me to the pulpit. I probably would have turned and ran the other way. Maybe we don't always realize the cost involved. Maybe we don't realize that all will be made well, but not in the way that we would often want it to be made well. At any rate, whether it's an easy decision or a decision that you struggle with, we all have a moment when we decide to follow Jesus. And this decision to follow Jesus is not a one and done. It's not a momentary state of mind or being. Some people sometimes think that it is. But I want you to think of the words to the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. 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 No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Our decision to follow Jesus belongs to each one of us individually. It's a decision that we will make truthfully over and over again each day of our lives, sometimes multiple times a day. Sometimes we will be faced with situations with multiple moments during the day when we have to decide whether or not we will follow Jesus. Like when you wake up on a Sunday morning, you don't really want to go to church. Nothing's wrong. You're not sick. The weather's fine. Maybe it's too good. You just don't want to go. I have decided to follow Jesus. Maybe when you're feeling frustrated and you consider taking the easy way out at work, maybe you're not doing the hard work of a Christian employee, or maybe when you're not working on your relationships like you should to be the best Christ-following spouse, friend, relative, I have decided to follow Jesus. Maybe it's when someone cuts you off in traffic and you want to wave at them. I have decided to follow Jesus. Sometimes I think, why are you trying to test the Jesus in me? Maybe it's when you have an opportunity to serve another human being and you hesitate on whether or not to take it. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
Maybe it's when you have a moment where you can choose between love and hate. I have decided to follow Jesus. I read something this week that struck me deeply. It said, what would you do if you knew that you had 24 hours left to live and you could do whatever you wanted? What would you do? One of my Republic folks said, I would gather my whole family at a baseball game. <laughs> what would you do? If you had 24 hours left to live and you could do whatever you wanted, what comes to mind? Jesus knew. He washed feet. That's who we follow. Following Jesus is not easy. It's not pretty. It's not comfortable. It's countercultural. It's turning from everything that we know and most things that we want to follow Jesus into the unknown. And it makes us mad. It makes us a little salty. We don't want to do it. Because Jesus says things like, sell everything you own and give, give to the poor. Well, I like the stuff I own. I worked really hard for the stuff I own. I have decided to follow Jesus. God rarely calls us to comfort. In fact, he often calls us out of comfort into the uncomfortable because that's often where we can meet people. It's choosing, following Jesus is choosing God over everything else that we're offered in life. And it's choosing God over and over and over again. The psalmist speaks of choosing God and he's, he uses the imagery of a cup in verse five of what Angie read to us today. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. I choose you, God. That's what the psalmist says. I choose you. You are my portion. I put myself in your hands. When we choose to follow Jesus, we place ourselves in God's hands. We surrender control. We try to surrender control. We choose to believe that God will take care of us. But the problem is that oftentimes what God sees as taking care of us doesn't match up with what we see as being taken care of. I want God to give me all the wants that I have in life. God's interested in what I need. And sometimes the last thing I need is the thing that I want. In verse 6, it goes on to read, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. Strange words. These are the kinds of sentences that trip my mom up all the time. What does that mean, Charlene? She'll call me. What does that even mean? Can't they just speak English? The psalmist is telling us, Mom, when we choose God, that God chooses us. And how cool is that? When it says we have a goodly heritage, it means that God has chosen us and made us members of God's family, making us heirs. The psalmist goes on to talk about how we continue to choose God day by day, situation by situation? How can we be sure that we are in a place where we can continue to choose to follow Jesus with no turning back? Sometimes Christians 
we're following Jesus and we're walking backwards. In verse 8, the psalmist writes, I keep the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. The song says, the cross before me, the world behind me. Do you keep the Lord always before you? I heard someone once talk about keeping God in their back pocket. We like pocket-sized gods. They're handy. You know, we can just pull out God when we need him, and then, oh, I'm good. Right? Did you ever, were you ever having a fight with your spouse? This is probably just me, but that's all right. Listen to my experience. Have you ever had a fight with your spouse, and I mean, you two are just fighting, and the phone rings, or someone comes to the door, and you are, let me tell you something about you that you don't know that I'm going to tell you. Hello? Who answered the phone? I'm sure that David is like, where did that woman come from? She was just about to rip my face off. Hello? Am I keeping the Lord before me then? If God was standing, if, if my husband and I and God were standing as we are, but we choose to ignore, in a triangle, am I going to be, or am I going to be, hello? God is always before us. It's just whether or not we want to acknowledge that we are standing in God's presence. Or do we like to think that we can tuck God away until the next time we need God, and then we can pull God out and talk to him? How are you doing with acknowledging God is before you all the time? Do you do daily devotions? Do you pray daily? Do you talk with God? Do you pray through your actions? How are you doing on your acts of holy mischief? Somebody bought me lunch the other day. We were out for lunch, and and I thought, I'm supposed to be the holy mischief maker. This Lent, we promised these things. We brought them to the altar. We put them in our soup, remember, in our, our soup pots. We said we would stir up good trouble. We brought them to the altar of God. How are we doing with these? This is our heart check moment. This Lent, we promised to be inclusive of those less accepted by society and make their day happier. We promised to help the less fortunate. We promised to say a prayer and give thanks every day to read the Bible every day, to not give my opinion as often and be kinder to my loved ones. We promise to pray for the world three times a day, to be kind to those who are not kind to me, to pray for someone who isn't expecting it, to pray in secret, to think of others before myself, to not be negative and judgmental. We promise to do good deeds, to visit the homebound, to send a card to a soldier, to pray for others daily, to see a need and fill it, 
to make and gift prayer beads, to send out surprises to bring joy, to pray for a different person each day, to help someone every day to see their own goodness, to reach out to my neighbor and take them cookies. We promise to pray for peace, to pray for salvation for my family, to write a note to someone new at school, to smile, to share my church on Facebook, to keep my eyes and ears and heart always open to hear God's calling and to be humble and kind. These were our words. This is what we said we would do as an act of worship to God this Lent. This is what we said we would do to follow Jesus, the same Jesus who died on the cross for us. How are we doing? Lent is halfway over. How are we doing? I don't say this so that we can all think, well, I'm terrible. I haven't done what I said I would do. So many of these things would help us keep the Lord in front of us. Because if we're thinking of all of those things, of being humble and kind, of smiling at other people, two years of mask wearing, we have forgotten how to smile at one another. Right? Everybody's still in that. Keep your head down. Try not to get killed at Kroger's. That's where we're all still at. And that's okay. But we need to take steps in a direction that we, shows we are following Jesus. How wonderful would our world be if this was our focus every single day? So many of these things would help keep us centered and oriented toward the cross. The cross before me, the world behind me. How are you walking? Facing forward, facing the cross of Jesus Christ or... Checking on the cross, watching the world. It's easy to slip away from what we intend to do. It's easy to allow other things to obstruct our view of God. We get busy. I get it. You should see my beautiful planner on Monday of how my week's going to go. Beautiful. Color-coordinated. Printed so neatly. You should get to me on Thursday. Hot Mess Express. We get busy, I get it. We get distracted, I get it. Guess what? We're not gonna get not busy. We're not gonna get less distracted. The world's not gonna slow down. Christians, we have to change what we are doing. The world isn't gonna change. How are you keeping the cross before you? How are you aligning your life to show that you follow Jesus? Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me where I lead. And it may not be comfortable and you may not like it. Guess what? He didn't like it either. He said, Lord, if there's any other way, who's ever prayed like that? Lord, if there's any other way that we can do this, I am ready for another way. But then he said, but your will not mine. 
Your will, not mine. We're not going to get less busy. We're not going to get less distracted. It's just what we choose to focus on. We have to remember to keep the cross before us, to keep the Lord before us, to continue to choose Jesus because Jesus chose us. He had 24 hours left to live. He washed feet. We have to remember who our Savior is until all of humanity knows and all God's people said, amen. Let's keep the cross before us as we hear my friend Land sing, King of My Heart, and think of how we are 